welcome to episode three of A Girl, A Guy, and a Buffy podcast. Yes, and I'm one of your co-hosts, Kate Balzer. And I'm Charles Swint. And, you know, we're, we've are we been exploring, you know, all the different aspects. We've been exploring Buffy and talking about uh, all the wonderful things uh, that Buffy has done. And is Buffy a feminist show? And we're continuing our discussion on on is Buffy a feminist show and looking at feminism as our quote-unquote big bad of the season uh, by exploring the the villains of Buffy this episode, which I'm super excited about. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll, we should say, too, specifically, we're looking really at the female villains of the series. Yes. In absolutely. this episode. Actually, let's, let me ask you a question, Kate. Sure. Impromptu. How do you feel about the word female? Like, in terms of talking about women I guess for myself that word feels applicable to me I think it nowadays um as terms and sex and sexuality and gender has become more diverse and and what definitions are I think it just depends on how people see themselves I don't think you can say oh I hate this word or I like this word for me, it fits. It's fine. I don't have a problem with it. No, that's great. Um, I have heard I've heard different arguments surrounding it, and so for the sake of our discussion, as we've been referring to like female villains, I just wanted to sort of check in and be like, where are you on the word? <laughs> on yeah, the word no, female? no, it's a good question. It's certainly a question. I mean, I think obviously we'll we'll probably get into this in this discussion, but in referencing the show, because the show was built within traditional. Or normative. Right. So we're looking at the binary structure. Correct. Yes. Of thank you. Yeah. That would be the word. <laughs> because that was the context within the show. There wasn't any discussion or any characters who considered themselves of any other sex or gender. So let's talk about this word villain. Right. So yes. as we were we were discussing this and doing research, um, as good Scoobies do, we hit the library and we do our research um, for these episodes to have these discussions. And one of the things that came up for me was like the word villain. It's one of those words that, you know, and you're like, yeah, I know what a villain is. And you think, you know, like what it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Are when, you going to define the word for us? Charles? I am. I am. How exciting. And it well, here's the thing, though. I'm going to define it, but I'm going to define it very differently. So I'm going to kind of give you the etymology of the word, which is ah. kind of, which is the thing that is fascinating to me. Yeah. Okay, um, cool. Because villain, when you look at the word villain, it's coming, it's stemming from the Latin word from villa. Oh, interesting. Right. So meaning sort of, you know, the land and all of that space, but it actually comes from a late Latin, medieval Latin, but it basically means villager. Oh, interesting. So because, it has nothing to do with like good, evil. Yeah, it has nothing to, it originally had nothing to do with good or evil. It had to do with space. It had to do with space. So then how do we get to the villain that we know today? And it's as we started getting into the idea of who owned the land versus who worked the land. And those moral constructs and those ethical things that were happening in in that time period, that's where villain comes from. It actually that, makes a lot of a sense. It comes down to power and money. Right. That divide. That Correct. social construct of divide is where right. we get villain from. But it actually 
goes back to the idea of just a villager and just sort of being in a place in time. In your reading of that, did as it discussed the morphing of the etymology or the, I should say, the definition of the word. So did villain come to mean the landowner then as being seen as the evil? Yeah, it's the uh, the landed aristocracy. So yes, yeah, okay. Domin- yeah, yeah, dominating medieval society. Uh, so under the use of the word, that's where villainous, the word like villainous turned from villager into into villain and meaning a person of uncouth mind and manner so this idea of it not being good or bad it just is like you said kind of falls into the idea of how villains view themselves yeah that's a really good point that's true because most of the time a villain doesn't think they're a villain right because they always have sort of some sort of goal and objective that they really believe in and that that they feel Especially a well-written vil- villain. Correct. Right. Not like a, particularly not a stereotype or a right. trope. So I I just found that to be really interesting. So thinking about the idea of where that, where that word comes from and how, how we view villains today. So yeah, a little fun fact. That's very cool. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We learn a little bit here. We're trying to, you know. A <laughs> little, bit, little bit of teaching. A little bit of teaching, a little bit of learning. So, <laughs> yes. So, no, I was going to say one thing we, we do want to say that in this discussion, we're looking at characters that we saw for multi-episode arcs that we have some more to really work with and discuss. So, so both looking at full season long, big bads and other female villains that were multi there for multi-episode arcs. One of the questions that I, I want to sort of leap off with is, are the are the female villains that we're looking at, are they feminist villain? And what is a feminist villain? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. I think I'm going to take your second question first. What is a feminist villain? I think within the context of a creative piece of art, like a television show it's the same as a protagonist or a hero heroine you know do they have a full story are they fully developed as a character even if they're coming you know against the heroine or the protagonist as an enemy um, as seen to be doing things that are wrong bad evil however they're characterized you know if they're really have a full story and a full development to me that is an element of making them a feminist or certainly an empowered mm-hmm. female character yeah i th- i agree just like the idea of them having more that they have more to do than just being evil for evil's sake that they're right like or they they, they have a goal or an, and and they truly believe in what they're doing Right. And I think that you know more about them. They're not just a stereotype. They're not the, you know, the femme fatale or the, as you said, just evil for evil's sake, that there's more to them and to their story than the evil and the act of evil. Right. I mean, when you look at, and when you start to look at each one of those characters, like the idea of, do we know more about the, like, the idea that, oh, women are crazy and like that sort of trope that right. like she's a crazy psychopath and all those things we got that in drusilla yes we did like she was 
she was crazy, but there was also sort of her craziness stemmed from something else. Like it was a part of like her vampire, but even before she was a vampire, she was also someone who had visions. And so people just saw her as crazy because of the time she grew up in and she was a woman who was having visions and then was turned into a vampire. And that, so that all carried through with her. So it wasn't just because she was crazy, but she already had the, the, the power of sight before she became a vampire. So she's not just like a loopy old crazy vampire just because we want to have that. Um, And so they really kind of flushed her out a little bit. Um, But a lot of times we don't get the full story behind female villains and why, why they are the way that they are. Um, I think they're, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, I think truly out of all the ones we've seen, there's degreeing, there's varying degrees that, of having no backstory to some backstory to full backstory. And probably technically the only one that has a full backstory is Dark Willow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, cause she's the main character and she's been part of this and we've seen that developments happen slowly over time. So we see how she gets to the point of Dark Willow and it's not just about her being an evil woman. Right. Do you think she's justified in all of the stuff that she's doing? Do you think like, do you, do you justify her villainy? All along or when she becomes specifically Dark Willow? When she becomes Dark Willow. No. I think she's coming from a place of anger, a place of trauma, mm-hmm. and a place of trauma from beforehand. I mean, I, that's the one thing I love about Dark Willow's story is they really set it up over the season, starting from after she does the reinsolment spell. Mm-hmm. And then each season, she does something with magic that she does it from a place, a selfish place. And so it goes very wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that just starts to build and lead up to that need for control, which comes from having neglectful parents. And granted, we know so little about that. I do wish we had seen more of that. But obviously, we had the one episode with her mother, and then you just kind of get hints of it and, you know things that Willow says over the years, the same that we kind of only get hints of it until the actual wedding episode with Xander. Right. Yeah. I think that with Dark Willow, like seeing her arc, you know, going, I'm, it's such a great arc to see her from like yeah. season one Willow where she's, you know, in her softer side of Sears to this um, from this being this yeah. powerful witch that is about to destroy the, um, destroy the planet is 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 a great sort of arc in development um i i agree that i think you know her her villainy is born out of trauma um and i think which i think most arguably i would say most villains are born out of some sort of trauma at least in this in this sense particularly i think dark willow is for sure i think darla probably is drusilla is i mean drusilla for sure is because angelus you know tortured her and drove her mad right you know before he turned her faith certainly is i mean there's so many mentions of you know physical and emotional and sexual abuse for faith that happens you know that leads up to all of her stuff um 
Glory being kicked out by her brothers, there's no telling what the situation was from that. But I think being ostracized from your family is a traumatic experience, um, no matter. I think that, you know, all of these characters, there is some richness, there is some backstory to a lot of them. So that definitely leads them to being more empowered, feminist-like mm-hmm. of villains. But I think at the same time, what makes them not that way is that almost all of them, their evilness comes from trauma. And that is such a trope with female mm-hmm. right. across all genres of storytelling, whether it's movies, television, books, um, plays, you know, I think it's... Um, so I think that is, a, a you know kind of unfortunate because they are such rich characters but i think that's also partly because it's not their story right um you know it's certainly but buffy's it, story to start with and so they're foils to her story story you know when you're looking at male villains even mm-hmm. when it's not their story they get a much more richer background and a much more richer development and i would even say arguably like with spike it's not his story, but we get so much of Spike and we get to understand who he is and his family life and all of that stuff. They developed that character so much more and gave us so much more of him. I mean, he was on longer than some of those other characters, but we really got to see who he is. And I think we treat male villains with the same sort of reverence as as the hero more so than we do female villains. But no, I agree. I mean, I think, I do think Buffy is like in so many ways is does better in a lot of this. And I think there the female villains are more developed and richer in many ways. That being said, like the show itself, there are also areas that it doesn't make them a truly empowered or feminist villain. When I think about Darla specifically, when I when we think about Darla from the very beginning, because she's one of the very first characters that we see, and all of that, her relationship and who she is and even how she's portrayed and acted, I feel like keeps changing every time she shows up. Even though Julie Benz did a great job, I think she was written the worst. I just think that every time they brought her back, she was a different person, and they all brought her back to facilitate a story need and not any sort of development of her character. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's a really good analysis and point, Um, which again could be, and that's, you know, going back to what we talked about in the first episode and contextualizing the show. I mean, I think that's a downfall of how 22 episodic television is made where you don't have the time to really like take a step back and look at it. Um, not saying that you have to like plan everything out because I th- do think I like when, you know, shows and Buffy certainly did this when things happen in the show and it clicks and you didn't plan for it to click. And you're like, all right, we're going to run with that character or run with that storyline um, and take it in a direction we didn't expect great things can come of it. But that being said, Darla started as just a stock character. And then at some point they must have decided, I have a feeling, and I, I don't know this for sure because I don't remember reading any interviews or commentary saying this, but my guess is when she started, they didn't know they were going to make her Angel Sire because I think they didn't fully know who Angel was going to be. 
And so as they made that decision, well, that had to change things slightly. And then as we got more into Angel's background and there were flashbacks, well, then Darla became the the picture of Darla became fuller. And so, yeah, it seems like a poorly written character, but it's more like, oh, we found this great character and we're kind of making her up as we go along. Right. <laughs> so, those, so those flaws <laughs> come out, even though she's you know, played really greatly by Julie Benz. And I think she's a great character. And I wish actually we could have spent more time with her. I really, I do. Yeah. I really wish that she had more screen time and more stories to tell because Julie Benz on screen is just so captivating and she just does such a great job. And she really gave us so much with yeah. what she had to work with. I think she gave us so much. Um, and I really wish there was more of that. There weren't that many female villains period just to begin with like let's right i mean when you look at the the number of episodes that happened and the number of vampires even if we're looking at just individual like episodes you know buffy did not encounter a whole lot of female villains that ratio was is very skewed yeah um, yeah so it was definitely male heavy even when you'd have like nondescript demons i think the impression you always got was to assume it was a male you know the demons that she faced weren't really other than halfrick and anya when she becomes a demon well and kathy like, uh, and kathy um and I sunday mean, and sunday you know we're talking you know we mentioned those but again those were um sort of one-off things that right. happened and so yeah, it's really interesting. But it's also interesting that basically all of the female, the major female villains um, are either human or human-like. You know that a vampire is still kind of like that hybrid. It's a, it's a human body, but with a demon mm -hmm. inside. So it's interesting that they don't force her to confront, other than Faith. Faith is the exception. Right. And there's a lot to delve into there with you know, talk of faith being her um, shadow side. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that they're all human or human-like and they don't force Buffy, which I think is more about that rather than like she takes on men, but not women. I think it's more about the fact that they didn't want Buffy to kill a human or right. somebody human-like. I mean, I think in this case, it's more about where the story and character arcs went than anything to specifically do with i don't want her taking on a female big bad right i wonder who and well i guess maybe the exception is it miss french yeah i mean technically it, it's hard to say with that one because i just consider her more like a demonoid creature right is i she mean really she, like... was, she was an insected she was an insect. She was a brain right. mantis. Right. And when she and when she does kill, then she's not in her human form. She is in her Correct. human form. I always took it more to be too that Miss that Miss French did. It was more of like almost like a um. Oh, what do you? I can't think of the word. When you project an image. Oh, a glamour. Glamour, yeah, something like a glamour. Yeah. Um, rather than her like transforming between a human body mm -hmm. and a praying mantis body yeah um and then what's oh what's her name um uh, the the watcher um 
Oh, right. Faith's fake watcher. Faith, Gwendolyn Post. Gwendolyn Post, right. Yes. Gwendolyn Post, who was destroyed by the glove. Right. And then again, like, she was destroyed by the glove. Right. Um, After her hand was cut off. I mean, I guess technic. I mean, technically, maybe Buffy killed... I mean, because she threw the... She threw the glass that cut off the, the hand. Yeah. I mean... But, but they didn't necessarily know, like, by cutting off the hand. Right, that that's what would happen. Right. So, or did um, they? Did they say... I guess they did say you could never take it off. Uh, yeah, so I guess that... But I guess at the same time, it wasn't... I don't remember if it was outright said, like, you'll die. Right. That, I mean, they, I mean, they were trying to destroy it with the, with the living flame. So right. they weren't, you know, there's something to be said about the fact that even the, the female villains were never killed by Buffy. Like that, those, like that didn't really happen. The fact that Buffy didn't kill any of the, the villains. I mean, I think that's something to note. And I think I never noticed it before until we started looking into this and it really sort of struck me and so what does that say you know at the larger question is of is this a feminist show and it you know what are the feminist traits of Buffy yeah I mean I think when it comes to like Darla and Drusilla you know there were other elements behind that situation you know they served different purposes for the storyline it wasn't about necessarily Buffy needing to confront them and taking them down. Obviously she needed to confront Faith and she did take her down, Mm -hmm. um, but couldn't go all the way because Faith escaped from her. Right. But she certainly got the closest. Right. And she certainly got the closest, um, you know, with Walsh, it was taken out of her hands. And then like you said, yeah, with Glory in the moment because of what was happening, she didn't have the chance. But I think if she hadn't sacrificed herself, and she had come down from the tower. They had prevented Dawn from bleeding. She still wouldn't have done what Giles did. And I don't disagree with what Giles did. I think knowing that Glory would always keep trying. Mm-hmm. Um, and her knowing who Dawn was, she probably would have kidnapped her and held her hostage until the next moment alignment would have worked. Right. Because I'm sure she would have tried to find another time for an alignment. Um, so that I think you know, and obviously we know Ben was in the end, he would protect his own self-interest mm-hmm. that Giles made the right call, but I don't think Buffy could have done it because they never wanted her to kill a human. Right. Like, it was a big deal what she did to Faith. Um. Well, and I think she ha- and so, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think she had to. I, I think that was the, the point. I mean, she I mean, she made such a big deal about faith killing a human like that was the thing that was sort of the tipping point was you killed a you killed a human like we don't do that that's not in the job description we kill vampires and demons and humans are off limit they have a different there's a different set of laws and a different set of rules for them um and so her hurting faith and her stabbing faith was even even though Faith was like, look at that, you killed me. I think they both knew that it wasn't really a kill, but it was just sort of the intention of the kill. Like it was a striking blow. Oh yeah, blow. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why also it makes it, you know, Faith's decision, okay, for those who've not watched Angel, we're doing a little bit of an Angel spoiler, although they discuss it on Buffy, so you probably know uh, of it but 
that's what makes Faith's decision to turn herself into a human jail. Right. Such a significant decision. Right. Because technically that jail is not going to hold her. Right. She could have escaped at any point at any time. Right. It's it's her choice to do it, which again, that that would have been even more interesting to delve into. Like face your ears in jail and all. But and I yeah. think that that also makes again, I think in terms of when we're talking about the development of female villains and and this sort of the story arc that happens and a lot of times when villains are are in a show for such a long time, they do get this sort of redemptive arc. There's always a chance for redemption um, at some yes. point. Like Darth Vader sees it in, in Star Wars. Like all of the villains get Spike gets it. Um, right. All of those things. Faith gets it too. And she she chooses to go back. And the thing that I do like and the thing that I think really worked well with Faith, unlike Darla, where they were like, we're just bringing her back and we're just going to make her evil to like screw things up between, you know, Angel and Cordelia and all this other stuff that's happening. Like when they brought Faith back, they kept her story, they kept her redemptive arc consistent. She yes. was always like where she was in her story was always where she should have been and there was no like we brought her back in season seven in season seven and now she's even worse than before she's still like they kept her consistently true to her track and so i think that's one character that they did get right um in terms of of doing all of that and as far as being sort of a a villain or even like probably more of an anti-hero than a villain um yeah, that's what I was going to say. She kind of went from, yeah, it was more of an anti-hero journey than than a true villain journey, for sure. And, you know, it's really interesting for, like, relative little amount of time she was on those two shows. I mean, she has a very rich arc. I, again, I would have loved to have explored it more, but I do think she has a really rich arc um, mm-hmm. for, for that character. And she's so good. Elijah Dushka is just yeah. so... Uh, again, another actress who, when she shows up in something, when she's yeah. doing something, I want to see her do more because she's just so wonderful and so good. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there are definitely some good female villains on this show for sure. So there's a lot to be said about the female villains and what your thoughts on them. I mean, I think they're all amazing. I think they're some of my favorite characters in the show. And they're, they, they do have sort of, uh, and again, I think this goes a lot to the actresses who played them. They just brought so much to the table um, and did so much with them. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think the only one probably who's the weakest is probably Walsh. Sure. Um, we haven't delved into her as much. I don't know if this is true. I remember hearing at the time that season four was happening that Lindsay Krause had gotten another job and left early. And so the plans for season four had to change. But then I feel like I read years later that that wasn't true. It was something like Adam had pl- been planned all along and Maggie's death had been planned all along. But I do feel like Maggie could have been a really interesting more developed villain yes um and that you know 
playing into that Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. And it kind of ended up being a like, eh, eh, wah, wah sort of storyline, like compared to some of the other big, bad storylines. Yes, I agree with that. And the discussion of, you know, feminism and in, in this, like, are these, you know, were these characters written, you know, from a feminist standpoint were you know are they feminists because when we're talking about being a feminist that uh, that has to like give room for all sides of a person and a person and a person allowed to be the person that they are whether that's good bad or or indifferent and so you know going down the list darla do i feel like she's a feminist villain mm, maybe i think she's a I think she's uh, poorly written. I think she's a poorly written. I think she gets done. I think Darla and Walsh probably get done dirty the most. I feel like they don't utilize those characters as as well as they can, and they sort of, they just sort of use them as as a way of moving the plot forward without giving them any sort of real depth of character. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would. I mean, I, th- I think that's very true of Walsh. I think Walsh is the most cliche stereotype, sort of that, you know, a woman who is very, in a man's world, is very mm-hmm. masculine, very analytical, very cold, and we don't get a lot, if any, backstory on her. Mm-hmm. So she becomes the least interesting. I think there was potential there, particularly in the quality of the actress. I mean, Lindsay Krauss is sure. an incredible actress, and I think she actually had a lot of good back and forth with Buffy, mm-hmm. with Sarah Michelle Geller. Um, you know, certainly I would say like out of that whole season, my favorite moment is when Walsh enters her classroom and is like, I know my TAs call me the bitch monster, whatever the term is. And everyone kind of oh, yeah, the bitch monster from hell. The bitch monster <laughs> from hell. It's such a great moment. Like it kind of it gives you a little bit of insight into her. And I don't feel like we ever really got beyond that. And yet I think there was a lot to delve into there. Mm -hmm. I think it would have also been way more interesting for her to be more of the big bad that season, because then you have, and to delve into the conflict of Giles versus Walsh. Right. And Buffy growing up and leaving high school and leaving her quote unquote high school mentor behind, even though we, we all know, he's more than that but as far as the you know out the rest of the world might see it and then she's got this potential new mentor because she's you know digging the psychology doing well because they ask her to present on one of her papers and Buffy's never been asked to do that before so I think there was so much that could have been um explored Mm -hmm. with that storyline but again I think that also partly goes back to you know we'll probably say this over and over again how it you know, network TV show is made. Sometimes when that magic happens, they don't have time to step back and go, oh, let's go in that direction. Because that's where the magic's happening, not this Frankenstein's monster. Right. Because I think I think arguably a lot of people would say that Adam was one of the worst yeah. big bads, you know, out there. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't... Yeah, he's not at the top of my list for sure, but no, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was creepy, but he kind of was like, "What are you doing? What's your purpose?" Yeah, I mean, the 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 thing he was best for is one of the coolest defeats, like the fact that they came together, did the spell, 
the you know the way she took him on and then obviously the follow-up episode right um of restless. restless yeah that's like that's what he was good for right <laughs> so. for giving us restless thank you adam for giving yeah. us the guy with the cheese on his head i mean that's just <laughs> exactly. we couldn't have done it without you <laughs> <laughs> exactly but um yeah so you know i agree darlin walsh are probably the least developed um and then next up would be probably Drusilla and Glory. Like we said, Faith and Dark Willow have the the deepest storylines. Yeah, they have the most and most character story. development. Um yeah, and of course Willow, you know, we call her Dark Willow, but again, I she's like the momentary villain because kind of like Spike and his anti-hero to hero story, you know, villain, anti-hero, hero story. There's a little bit of that with Willow um, mm-hmm. from a different perspective. Cause certainly the way season seven ends and the way she taps into the white magic right. and she is the catalyst for changing the system of slayers into and potential slayers into all slayers. There's such a beautiful um conclusion in at least within the show to willow's arc that it, it kind of comes back around and mm-hmm. she's a part of the power and power sharing with women yeah and it's really interesting because i think that you know along with with the character of buffy you know willow also has a hero's journey as well yeah um throughout all of that and so and like her becoming dark is such a part of that yeah a part of that journey um so again so i'm just i'm i would be curious to hear what other people have to say about the female villains and buffy and what they you know what their thoughts on who their favorite was you know are they truly feminist are they are they feminist are they stock characters you know what what's missing from them um or what are the things that they loved about them yeah, did you feel any sense of empowerment from them in some aspect or another? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, you know, we didn't say this at the beginning, but this is an aspect in general that I feel like, you know, doesn't get looked at that often, analyzing the female villains and really taking a look at them, not only within the context of Buffy, but in general. Right, because there, um, and I will say that there is, a BuzzFeed article that does talk about this a little bit more in depth and goes through some of the some of the classic tropes about um about female villains. And I think that article is called like female villains done or done dirty or done wrong or something like that. And it does kind of talk about some of these ideas about how um how women are ignored and how those characters are are overlooked and underdeveloped throughout their season and especially in comparison to their male count counterparts yes absolutely and i i do think in in many respects buffy did a better job of that than other movies and television shows for sure for sure and definitely we have some great uh female villains and some great actresses who brought them to life for sure i think That's that has a true. i think that has a lot to do with it we're just these women were just so amazing that they were able to take what they were given and and give them such depth agreed and all of that yeah that's definitely an important part of it the the writing as well as the actor actress playing the role 
So thank you all so much for joining us um, this week. Yes, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. We definitely want to hear your thoughts. If you want to send us an email with your thoughts, questions, concerns, you can email us at a Buffy podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram at a Buffy podcast. And if you like what you hear, please like and subscribe and download our podcast. We would thoroughly love it. And make sure to leave us a review um, and, you know, send us some stars and some love. Yeah, let us know what you think. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.